So, ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you that, um... Dang it, you ruined my intro! Are you recording right now? I regret to inform you that it turns out Zach and Alex are the same person, living in the same body, amongst 22 other personalities, and, um, I am now trapped in a basement, and I need help. Please send help. It's split, everybody. Welcome to the Maestro Movie Podcast. That's a great intro, but implies, A, that Zach and I both look like James McAvoy and you're a teenage girl. Wrong. Not true. That is not what is being implied. That's your sick mind. Not sick. That's what it is. No, that's what you want it to be. That's what you want it to be. You're in our basement. I mean... Technically, it's not our basement. It's the zoo, the Philadelphia Zoo's basement. Spoiler! Spoiler! We're not there yet. <laughs> Getting off to a great start, guys. Spoiler. Great start. <laughs> Maestro approved. Ting. Ting. Okay. Did I just so. Get a cinema that's racist. Um. That. <laughs> hold on. Nah, not close enough. Um, hold on. Nope, okay, never mind. We're moving on. Um, hashtag back to Willow. Hashtag back to Willow. That's getting an HD re-release. I saw the trailer at Target. I still don't like it. Awesome. Anyways. Oh my god. Alright, anyway. Um, so, I had to watch... So, Split, right? Yeah. Uh, we watched Split today, so that's the movie we're wait, talking wait, about. Had to watch? Are you not? <laughs> did you not like it? Wrong choice of words. That's not what I'm. I'm not. <sighs> um. Let me just, give me a second to form a sentence about this movie. Wait, wait. What did you mean by form? <laughs> you need to explain yourself, Chris. <sighs> Remain calm. Remain calm. Um. So well, before we get into your full opinions about this movie, we have some news to talk about. Spider-Man: Far From Home came out, and I'm pissed that Marvel broke kayfabe. What? Whoa, 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 whoa! Slow down, there. Let's talk I'm about going at 100 miles an hour. Either you keep up or you stay out of my way. Here's the deal. So they released. <laughs> well, wait, they released. They released a trailer for a movie for a character yeah. who, in this timeline, is still dead. Yeah, and they didn't reveal anything. Yeah, they revealed that him and Nick Fury survive whatever events happen in the next movie. Well, sure, they, they, sure, they... Don't say, say everybody they, knew. Do not tell me everybody knew. I don't want to hear it, Zach. Whoa, I don't want to hear whoa, it. Whoa, 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 Don't attack me, man. First off... Okay, okay, so, Chris, I, I have an argument for that. Um, yes, I see what you're saying, but honestly, you can't destroy half the universe. You can't destroy half of the living beings on Earth and not have that be fixed. It's, it's, it has to be But the fixed. fixing you can't, you can't, has not come out yet. movies where half of life on Earth are gone. You just can't do it. It's, a, it's going to be fixed. 
Do I agree that they shouldn't have released the trailer? Absolutely. But is that a problem that in the moment I really stopped and think about it, I'm like, no, they've got to fix that problem. They're going to fix it. It's half, a mov- it's half of a movie. The story isn't done yet. They're going to fix whatever the problem is. It's just going to happen. That just kind of, it, just, it just takes See, away the, the tension. The it's going to take away the tension. I'm not going to like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, here's the thing, guys, is is Avengers Endgame is about the original core Avengers. We have yet to see anything else about them. This trailer did a very good job of not saying anything about We didn't need, I don't even think we got a hint. We got Happy Hogan. Why is he talking to Nate Fury? Wasn't Tony Stark mentoring him before? Why isn't Tony Stark mentoring him now? Well, and that that's the thing is he went on summer vacation. He's on summer vacation. <laughs> we don't know. I can fly all the way to the Middle East in the first movie for like as soon as he wants to. So I, I'm sorry for him to just not be able to talk to this kid because he's a hero. They're playing, they're playing coy with the original Avengers right now because they don't want us to know what the end of that movie is. We don't know if possibly a certain guy played by a cool guy named Robert Downey Jr. may or may not be dead. What we yeah, know, we hinted the possibility that he might be in in uh, consequentially. I don't think they're doing it on purpose, but yeah. it is. It... Oh my! God. You're right. They they they, they have the not shows said up. any. Hold on, and one the more time. Thing is, is that this trailer is already being very deceitful because we know who the main villain of the movie is, and he's not portrayed as a villain in this trailer. Well, if you know anything about the villain, you know why. Well, exactly. But that's that's the cool thing is we get to see kind of a heroic Jake Gyllenhaal for a minute or two, and <laughs> and it, it's a, it's an incredible situation. It's an incredible situation. Yes. It's a breaking of kayfabe and a releasing of tension that I don't like. Moving on. Well, but let me ask you this, Chris. Chris, let me ask you this. You're talking about tension. Do you honestly think that Spider? And I'm not even talking about you knowing he's gonna have another movie. I'm asking you seriously. Do you think that Spider-Man was dead and going to stay dead at the end of that movie? What did I see then? If you don't think he was dead, if you don't think he was dead, then what did I see in Avengers: Infinity War? What happened to him? Is he dead? Is he dead, Zach or Alex? Is he dead? Both of you. I'm asking both of you. Is he dead? You also watched. You also watched half of a movie. And you knew, and you you have to know that Chris that you're watching half of a movie. So I watched half of a story. Do you, think, do you honestly think when you were watching that movie? Don't think about the promotional too. Don't think about the fact that you know other movies are coming. Do you honestly think that at the end of that movie, all of those people were not going to come back? Honestly, that they they may portray that movie as a loss, but at the same time, they also are killing half of the planet. It's it's something they half have the planet, half the universe. I know half the universe, but I'm saying half the planet just to be safe. Uh, do you, honest to God, think that they were going to kill half of the heroes and not fix that problem in another movie? Like, do you honestly think that Spider-Man was dead? What tension are you talking about? When you know in the back of your mind, Chris, you know that he's going to come back. So there's no tension. I, I don't think they should have done it because it's just not fun. It just takes away the fun of watching that movie. I, I know he's coming back, but I don't want that solidified in front of my face. It's not about tension so much as it is just like I'm. I like the idea that I haven't finished this story yet. 
So when you give me something that's after the story's already finished and I haven't even seen the end yet, it kind of makes me feel a little bit stupid. It's sort of like if you started dating somebody and you're in the middle of that honeymoon period and then all of a sudden you see the future and you realize, wow, you start dating somebody else and you're like, well, I, I haven't even finished the relationship I'm in yet. I, here's the thing, and Alex, you and I can both confirm this, is that you and I went into Infinity War, and we were laughing maniacally when Thanos was slaughtering people left and right. And when he snapped those fingers, you, you me, and John, John sat there, and we were, and we were like, yes, he's doing it! <laughs> but the thing is, John didn't know what was happening, and he appreciated it on his own terms. Yeah. I wanted it to happen, because I, regardless of whether those people were going to come back or not, it's a movie it's a visual medium i want to see I, I like the idea of being able to see heroes die but also live that's great because it's a visual medium and you can show that it's like i've said it before and i'll say it again the ending of breaking dawn 2 is amazing you get to see because if you don't like those movies or you think they're stupid but you still watch them for your own guilty pleasure you get to see people that are you make fun of and are irritated by or love to a certain degree get slaughtered and murdered in violent ways and then you get to see them come back to life in the end you get both you get to see see and experience the emotions of both and as, that's why as they say work. as they say Alex you got to have your cake and eat it too yes to a certain degree yes yep absolutely uh, that's that's how I felt but like I never felt the tension of Spider-Man truly being dead but I do think it sucks when you're watching something, you know it's half of a story. You can't wait to get the second half. And we've even got a bit of a trip. That's the other thing. We don't even know what the story of Endgame is yet. We've got little bits and pieces of the aftermath of their loss. but I, I And that's still not tension. That's I know Tony Stark is going to get out of whatever situation he's in. I know they're going to use something that's going to fix it. I just want to know what it is before you come up and say, well, it's already been done. Kevin Feige's also gone on record and said amongst the entire marketing campaign for Endgame, we're never going to see more more footage past the first 20 minutes of that movie. And that's a three-hour movie. So there's going to be a lot of material we're not going to see, ever. Again, I think that's... Then I think it's, again, super dumb to show us... Uh, pretty because here's the thing if they wanted to do a teaser trailer for spider-man where you like see them get on a plane and he has like a joke with his friend or you want to show us a backpack or something or you want to see him like jumping off of a building and he's in spider-man and no one's saying anything fine we know the movie's coming a little trailer about what it might look like visually or just show us a mysterion trailer or whatever but like when you give us an hour and a half teaser that gives us an, a tone and a concept and some of the moments and like full fledged scenes of the movie, like that's don't do that. That just totally. I think, I'm I think of another it story. Really fun marketing for them. Now hear me out. This would have been the funnest thing is that for all the trailers we get between now and April when Endgame comes out is the is the only we don't see any Spider Man. Nothing. Not a hint of him. You know, we get nothing. We, we see more Mysterio. We see the, the, the villains. We get to see all this stuff. And then as soon as Endgame comes out, that first, tra that first trailer we get is Spider-Man's back in his full glory. I, I just think... That would I, I don't, it's not about an undercut of tension for me so much as it is 
I'm in the middle of a story and I'm not done. I don't want to start the next story. I don't want or like it's. I don't read a book and then put it down and then start the sequel to that book in the middle of it. I don't. I, I don't want that. I know I'm in the middle of a story that isn't finished. I want that story finished. In fairness, we're about two stories behind because we have Captain Marvel out first before anything. That's another thing. I think Chris has given up on this conversation. Yep. Well, what, what else? I mean, outside of the tension, Chris, is there anything else that annoys you about it? Okay. Um, this is this is my view. Part. This is my perspective of it, and then I'm moving on. Okay. Sure. You guys know I'm a, I'm a pro wrestling I'm a pro sorry, a pro wrestling fan. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. So there's a heel and there's a baby face, a good guy and a bad guy. Yes. They have three matches. You hate yes. the heel very much. And if someone told you if someone who is in the know told you the babyface wins the third match, would you go back and watch the first two? Yeah. Yes. As someone who watched pro wrestling, yes. Let me just start that over here. End game for me right now. If someone totally looked at me right now and was like, tell you everything that happens in Endgame. Would I still go see Endgame? Absolutely. Yep. Because I like these movies and I like the journey. Does it take away the fir- part of the experience of it? Yes. But that's also why I loved Infinity War. I knew and hoped and prayed that he ended that movie with snapping his fingers and destroying the universe. And it happened and I was satisfied. Absolutely 110%. That was an expectation, sure, but it was a pretty close expectation like most people kind of assumed it was going to happen and it did and i was absolutely happy because it's what i wanted and i also thought it fit the story as an example of like going in blind because i haven't it's weird because you know in, the, in this beautiful age of the internet that doesn't happen as often as it should i think it's um, spoiled very yes in fact i've been spoiled i got spoiled uh recently on something that i'm very mad that i got spoiled about that's coming out in what is it Wednesday like six days from now um so uh but the last time I felt like I got to go into a movie completely blind not knowing anything about it and walked out pretty enjoyed actually was Pirates of the Caribbean 2 13 years ago Someone spoiled that for you, but you still liked it when you watched no, it? nobody spoiled it for me. That was the last time I went into a movie unspoiled and just got to watch it for what it was. Uh, I there, there are a couple things I will deliberately take the effort to not do. Like, Twin Peaks was something that, episode per episode, that I couldn't watch live. I made very sure that I didn't uh, know anything about it before I went into it. Um, and I, I t- I'll take considerable efforts to do that, but I'm also not a guy who cares that much about spoilers these days i i i love the journey as much as i don't but in terms of your wrestling um metaphor chris i i yes i would still watch it because i think that i'm interested in these movies and these stories just as much for the journey and the entertainment of watching them as i am 
knowing it what happens. So if if someone if someone looked at me and was like, because I here's a, a good a very great example. I watched uh, my mom likes Jack Ryan and, and like spy thriller movies and stuff like that, but she had never seen a Marvel movie ever. So I was like, I'm going to show you the second Captain America, which is technically the third movie in his story. Um, I was like, you know, here's what happens in the first movie. Here's what happens in Avengers. But you are going to like this movie more than any of them in terms of getting your foot in the door on this character. And she did. She loved the movie. And then we, the next time I saw her, we watched the first one. And she's like, wow, I, re- I don't think I would have appreciated this movie as much if I didn't already like the character and didn't already enjoy his relationship with Bucky and didn't have an idea about what happened because... I actually like watching him become this guy and seeing who he was, knowing who he becomes. And I'm like, well, maybe that wouldn't. She's I, I know her well enough to know that she wouldn't have enjoyed the first movie if I just showed her that first, because I know what she likes. And she likes stuff that is thematically relevant in the second movie. So showing that to her, she fell in love through the character because the way they tell his story is through a genre that she loves way more than Marvel and comic book movies. So I do think that there are times where you can present someone information um, without having them see the story and then continue on and still in, go back and enjoy the product after they've seen uh, the future of it. Uh, I do think it's possible to enjoy the journey knowing the destination. Yeah. Do I think that? Do I think that it was a that this is the case here with Spider Man? <sighs> I don't. I don't know. I all I know is that I have a bad taste in my mouth with it, and I don't think that's. It has anything to do with me not ever believing in any moment that he was truly and fully dead and not coming back. I never believed that ever. You know, even knowing that he's getting other movies, you can't watch Spider-Man: Homecoming and Civil War and then see him die in Infinity War and not expect him to come back. It's just. I, I even if I didn't know anything about this stuff and I just showed it to somebody, I, I don't I don't think you can earnestly believe that all of those people are dead. It's too many dead people. They, that problem has to get fixed. Yeah. And he's not really dead. He's been erased. The truly dead people are like Hemdall or Loki. They make a, they make an effort to show you people who legitimately get murdered and killed. Like Gamora got killed. He threw her off a cliff. Whereas everybody else was erased, so I think that they're they're trying to put the seed in your mind that maybe they're not truly gone, and I think you can walk away from that and truly believe it. But I, I'm in the middle of a story. I don't want to know what the next story is yet. It just takes me out of a story that I'm already in more so than ever ever believing that the guy wasn't going to come back. He was always going to come back. Those guys are going to come back. Loki and how he's going to get his own TV show. In Disney streaming? I don't know about that. Oh, That's- oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Speaking on that, actually, we did get some info about that, actually. Hello? Go on, yeah, go on. So, uh, we actually got some info is that it, it's called um, The Young Adventures of Loki and Thor. So it's Loki as a child on many the many adventures he had with Thor as a child. And it's going to be narrated by Tom Hiddleston. Cite your source. Find my source? Cite your yeah, source. Yeah, I haven't heard that at all. That's crazy. But I, I see what you're saying, Chris. I truly do, because we are adults talking about this. 
And there is that has nothing to say about kids because these movies in a lot of way are aimed at kids. So if a kid watched Infinity War, didn't know anything about the comics, and just watched that ending, there there are probably kids out there who were like, Oh my god, they murdered all of my favorite heroes and there's only a handful left. Who knows what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden they see a trailer for Spider Man and they see Nick Fury and they're like, Will they live? That's so weird. Why would you tell me that? So yes, I not I'm not I don't think that there's a, that there's no merit to what my you're saying. Posted in the chat, boys. But I do think that as adults I I don't necessarily feel that. And I don't think I, I don't think if you have the logical ability to break down storytelling the way that I think you and I do, that you can honestly walk away from that and feel that, but for kids, absolutely. It's a weird thing to do when you know kids may not have that capability or really care about that stuff, and then show that trailer. But I, I made a good point in the in Facebook, which is I think that they're trying to pump out as much Marvel stuff as possible because they know full well that they want all of fall and winter to be about Star Wars. Yep. Yeah. Telling you, they should have released it in November. Didn't make a difference between Doctor Strange and Rogue One. I don't know why they're doing it now. Because this is the end of their trilogy. Not Endgame. Spider-Man. No, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about Star Wars. This is the end of their Star Wars trilogy. This is a big deal. So they want to. They want to separate all of their Disney marketing. Get that all out of the way, so that they can spend their time focusing on promoting and marketing and releasing the last installment of their new trilogy of Star Wars films. I think they want to have all of their focus be on that. So they're just getting the Marvel crap out of the way. Either that, because either that or they're up against DC movies, and I just don't... I don't know when Shazam comes out, so... I mean, the only... Yeah, I think they just want to make room so they can focus completely on Star Wars. Because this movie is a big deal. The Star Wars film is going to be a big deal. It's true. Okay, so best I can explain it, I'm just a mark. So, yeah. Shazam's in April, by the way. Wow. Yeah, Shazam. Shazam is kind of screwed a little bit. Yeah. Um, I I I don't think you're wrong, Chris, for having a bad taste in your mouth. Um, and anybody could have their own reasons for it. No, I, I'm just I wrong. Agree. I don't think it's a good call. I don't think it was a good call to release a trailer for a movie in July, uh, in January, especially when you have two other movies that are coming out. And just show us, you've already got three trailers for Captain Marvel. Just show us some more Endgame stuff. Well, get gonna, it out of the way. I'm going to get Endgame around the Super Bowl. That's going to be a big Endgame weekend. Uh, that's, I mean, that makes sense, but at the same time, that doesn't disabuse the fact that they shouldn't have released the Spider-Man stuff when they have months. They had months to release it. That they, they have another three months before they could have four months to boost excitement. They just did it. I, I think they did it too early. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, Shazam is like two weeks before Endgame. So it's going to get a full two weeks to kind of shine, and then it's not going to be relevant. <laughs> but also, Captain, uh, Captain Marvel will already be out for at least like two months, two, I think two or three weeks before then. So yeah. it's right smack dab into two Mar- Marvel movies. 
which is probably where it wants to be, honestly, because it means it'll get its time in the sun temporarily. Why even release it in April? They want to compete. No, they're like late summer, fall. They know they know they can't compete, though. Yeah, that's the thing. Why are you putting it out then? I don't know. Put that out in summer, late summer, when there's no Marvel movies around, and people will have already watched those films for a couple months. They'll be probably out of theaters by then, and they don't have any other DC movies, so put it out in the middle of the year. There is Wonder Woman 1984. I don't know when that comes out. Is that 2020? Yeah, 2020 or 2021. Never mind. Late summer. August or something. I don't know. No, they, they for some reason they pushed Wonder Woman back to 2020, and they don't have anything else on the slate, but... August then. Shazam. Push no. it to August. I, uh, for what to come out in August? Shazam. I agree. No, that's what I would. That's what I would want them to do. I don't know why they're releasing it in April. They shouldn't move that. Because they're maniacs. Maniacs, I tell you. Well, that or they feel confident enough that it's going to be better than Endgame. Ha! On the floor, I've never danced before. I mean, is from a marketing standpoint though, that's you would say ha, but like, if they feel that the movie's quality is able to compete with it consistently, no, no, no. there's no reason not to release it up against it then. Yes, there is. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Because here's the thing: Shazam may be a fun movie that stands on its own merits. But there isn't a person out there that isn't talking about or thinking about or anticipating Infinity War right now. It was it was the it, it was one of the biggest movies of last year, and the story still isn't finished yet. True. But it'd be one thing if it was like the next Captain America or the next Iron Man or just another Avengers movie, but it's not. The story isn't over. People aren't satisfied yet. They want an ending. So people are talking about it and theorizing about it and thinking about it. The closer we get to an answer of what that story is, like the culmination of 10 years of storytelling, that's yeah. the problem. One film that may stand on its own merits, that may be, at, may be a fun time and may be good, maybe an A on its own merits, but still it's standing up against something that is not only 10, 10 years in the making, but is also not done yet. Yeah. That's true. It's hard. This film is like, it will undercut Shazam to a certain extent. And I feel bad about that because I do like Zachary Levi and that film does look fun. Yeah. I mean, that that's the, that's the sad thing is I think that Shazam movie has a lot of potential to be a lot of fun. The problem, I think, is that it's going to get its two weeks in the sun and that's it. It's going to get killed after that completely. I, I, I think it'll get its two weeks in the sun it will probably dissipate and people won't remember it as well because of its placement and Infinity War. But then I think it'll ha it'll have a resurgence when people can rent it. Yes, and I think when people can rent it, I think is when it's going to be a very large success. And yeah, I mean, I think David Sandenberg is a great director. I think Zachary Levi is a fun actor. I think the trailer I saw for this looked awesome and very fun. And I'm just excited to see where it goes. I think, you know, Billy Batson's going to be a fun character to see. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, I, I've been wanting Zachary Levi to, to shine ever since Chuck. Yeah. All right, so let's get 
to this movie that we gotta talk about. <laughs> so, so Chris, after seeing Unbreakable and now seeing Split, regardless of knowing that it's within that they're both connected to each other, how did you enjoy Split? Split was freaking good. Yeah. Right. Um, That being said, I was uncomfortable for the duration of this film. For very obvious reasons. A, I'm a mark, and, like, um, but, like, (laughs) like, the way, how best to describe this? Um, shoot. Just interrogate me. I can't, I can't, I can't form a thought right now about it. I guess Chris, Chris, Here's my bigger thing. So, officially, on the record, I Alex, you can disagree with me all you want. Split is a horror movie. A psychological horror movie. Um, I think it's, Technically, I think it's, it's more of a thriller, but it's, it, that's, it's classified as a psychological horror thriller. Film. It's a that's, thriller. It's no, a thriller. I think it's, a, I think it's as much of a horror movie as Silence of the Lambs is. Silence of the Lambs is not really a horror movie so much as it is a thriller with horror elements. And I think Split is a psychological thriller that has horror elements to it. Like, you don't, yeah. you're not sure if it's a supernatural horror film uh, until it, get, it turns into one. And that is until the last half an hour, 20 minutes. And then when that's done, it, you realize that the entire time it was actually a supernatural superhero movie. Yeah, which is like so much more fun. Um, so, I guess, Chris, uh, here's my thing, um, what did you feel about it as, as the villain's story? It's, it is the villain's story. He is the protagonist, he is to a certain extent the protagonist, but at the same time, and I, and I think this, there's a really good article that came out that talks about the girl's journey and the main girl and what she goes through, and yeah, that her superpower, her superpower to a certain extent is empathy. That the reason she gets out of the mess in the, this entire situation, period, is her ability to empathize. Yes. <clears throat> um. Uh. <laughs> Dang it! I forgot the question because I'm just listening to you guys. I'm well, it, it was it was kind of a weird question, but I would say, let me put it this way: How do you feel? Um, having the main having James McAvoy be humanized and made as vulnerable as he is how did you feel watching a film where he is to a certain degree the main killer uh, the the main character but he is also somebody that to a certain extent you empathize with that was a very very bold move honestly cause like Um, he's like, he's clearly just lost it, right? Um, well, he has, he has, uh, he has, uh, he has, uh, multiple personality disorder, DID, uh, or as it's better known, dislocative identity disorder. So it's not that he's lost it, it's that he has gone through such an extreme situation that he, he has physically had to manifest another person in his mind to cope with it. Hmm. Um, okay. I, I think okay. it's. 
I think that yes, to a certain extent, he has lost it. Not because he believes in the beast or because he believes that he has to sacrifice girls to this beast. It's because he be- he believes that violence and forcing people to do certain things based off of his extreme methods that is psychotic. That that's that's bad. Absolutely, he doesn't care that he's murdering or hurting people to feed this thing. So I don't think that. Well, and the thing. You don't know if he's insane or not about the idea of what the beast is or that he can turn into it until he turns into it. And you realize that not that the beast existing is what's crazy. It's the fact that he thinks the beast is something that people should worship or is a good thing that he doesn't mind hurting people to have that thing be fed or released onto the world in the first place. Those are the things that make him... Uh, crazy or evil. That's what well, makes him a well, bad guy. For and, sure. the, and the cool thing is, is how uh, the Beast is created as a personality is that he developed the Beast personality by watching the animals that he took care of in the zoo. Is Specifically the carnivores. So the lions, the bears, the tigers, oh my. There's a lot of, thi- there's a lot of things that allowed to happen. That, uh, the fact that his mother was abusive, the fact that his father... Um, was most likely murdered on the same train accident that um, Bruce Willis discovered his powers on. That All of that stuff sort of comes together to create this fractured mind that had to pick up these pieces all around his life to form all of these identities, including the Beast itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is a very, I would say a very deep movie from a psychological standpoint. And it's... It's very, uh, it's fun. It's McAvoy watching this movie. It looked like McAvoy had the best fucking three weeks of his life. <laughs> okay, no, let me speak on James McAvoy for a second. I had a note here. I made I made a note of some of a uh, of a kind. Let me just refine it. Sure. Um, as I furiously type, and you guys just l- listen to me. Um, yes. It did look like he had a blast making it, for sure. Hold on. Let me uh, let me pull it back out. Okay, so, 2000, um, 2016. It's the 88th Academy Awards. Um, best actor or best supporting actor? Pick one. Which one should James McAvoy be nominated for? Best supporting he's never, actor. He, I think he's been nominated for... Best actor, actually. For, you think he would be um, nominated for best actor? I think he's been nominated for atonement. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Two thousand sixteen. So let's go with best actor. All right. There was Leo. There was for The Revenant. Brian Cranston for Trumbo. Matt Damon for The Martian. Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs. And Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. Yeah. James McAvoy is nowhere to be on this list, and someone explain to me why the hell he's not on this list. Well, because he, he didn't... This movie came out in January of the next year, so it, this, wasn't yeah. in the run, this wasn't in the running for 2016. Are you kidding me? like they were ever right. going to remember that this movie came out around the time of Oscar season anyway. Anything that happens in January will Nine. not be remembered all the way in Oscar season. For example... The Quiet Place came out in January, February of this year. People loved it. It made a butt ton of money, and you could possibly give it 
maybe adapted screenplay. No one's going to remember it around this time of Oscars. They didn't remember it around the Golden Globes. No one's talking about it anymore because it happened in January. Okay. So let's go back to 2017, shall we? January is because they knew it was a good movie, and January is when you dump crappy horror movies and things that studios did not want to release during the year, but Bloomhouse knew they had a good movie on their hands. So just like this year, right now in January, where nothing good is coming out, they know they have glass, and they know they can release glass and make a ton of money. The, the other thing is is that I think John Krasinski should get a bunch of awards for uh, A Quiet Place. Do I think he's gonna? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, no, no. If anything, he deserves Best Adapted Screenplay, but it's just not... Or Best Original Screenplay, but it's not gonna happen. Nope. Uh, actually, I, I forgot one bit of news, but we're already there. But I'm, We're already past that, but I'm not gonna talk. I, Don't I talk about it. Just do it. Uh... Jordan Paley's new film's trailer came out last week. Great. For, uh, yes, J- Jordan Peele, for example, actually. Peele, uh, it's Peele, but at the same time, uh, yes, it looks really good. It looks like a really good horror movie. I'm actually excited for it. Anyway, th- we can get back to Split, but I just wanted—I just thought about that, and I just wanted to mention that real quick. <laughs> uh, um, so, January so Chris, uh, you were saying that he was really, really good. You th- you he th- was he been- amazing. Amazing. He was amazing. Yeah. I mean, he looked like he had so much fun making that movie, and all the power to him for that. Okay, yeah, so I, I figured I it out. Be- I've seen a lot of the small movies that he's done that most people don't talk about, like... Most people don't talk about what he does in Atomic Blonde and how much he's having, how much fun he's having there. Most people don't talk about the movie Filthy Made, where it's just basically like its own version of its own British version of Bad Lieutenant. He's great in that too, but this is probably his best performance for sure. Yep. Okay. I agree. So January twentieth, two thousand seventeen is when the movie came out. So technically, it should have been nominated for twenty seventeen. So here's what I think. Twenty eighteen. No one was ever gonna. No one was ever gonna do it. It was just gonna be forgotten. It was. Yeah. It's a funny Why movie. do really I have to be wrong about everything? There is no reason why he should not have been nominated. I don't care if it came out in January. I don't care if it was forgotten. Everybody should have remembered because when they saw it in the movie, they saw the freaking movie, they should have just recognized that he is a superb actor and he played 23 different freaking people. And he did it great. So I don't want any excuses. I want reason. It's just politics. He played like nine different Oh, so now it's politics. First it was the date. Up to the freaking Oscars. I'm done. Moving on. Split, right? No excuse. No excuse. No reasons. There's no reason, I'm no excuse. I'm not saying it's an excuse, dude. I wanted him to get nominated and, and like, get a lot of awards love, too. But I also know how they work. It's just the way that, for example, uh, I may not want a bunch of black people to get shot by cops, but I also know that that's how systematic racism works. <laughs> okay. That's a great example. I'm glad you used that one. <laughs> systematic racism works. It's it's the politics of the Oscars. I'm not going to be able to change that. I'm not an old white guy who lives in Hollywood. True. I mean, well, okay. Um, all right. 
What am I doing? All right, so split. <laughs> Would I want James McAvoy to get nominated for an Oscar, or do I want Split to make as much money as it possibly can? And the answer would be if James McAvoy was going to get nominated for something, they would have to push it to October and or November, which it would probably do pretty well. Would it have done as well as if it was put out in January, a dead month where it had no competition and had nothing but to do but to shine? No, I'm sorry. I'm glad they released it in January where it was the only thing that people were talking about. Yeah. All right, fine. I'll put the dunce hat on again. Because um, it made so much money that they could make glass now. Yep. So, uh, split. So we're back on split. Um, so yep. here's the interesting thing about this movie. Um, so like, first off, I applaud because I applauded for just just starting because like the first like the first scene is like a minute like almost like two minutes long and it just goes straight into it. Doesn't waste any time. Yep. Um, we get very little. We get, we get very little of the outside world, and I like that. It makes a gives a nice feel of isolation. Um, yeah, you're trapped both in there in the girl's uh, situation and their perception of how it goes, but you're also trapped in his mind and and how it works to a certain extent too. Um. So. I was so caught up for like this whole the whole two hour period of trying to figure out this whole twenty four personality thing and just watching James McAvoy go and mm-hmm. just absolutely destroy the um, the frame and um, so in the best way possible and like it wasn't until the part where. She's trapped, where, um, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, is trapped in the, um, is trapped in the cell, and she has the shotgun, and he's bending the bars, and then he stops to see the scars, because we're, spoiler alert, you're missing, the, the part was that she used to, that she was abused by, she was being abused, or was being abused by her uncle, who... Um, uh, it was worse than being abused by her uncle, let me be clear. But yes, I, yes. I you know what I'm talking about, Zach! I know. So, anyway. Um, it wasn't until that point I'm like, where he stopped and just like, because he, he was obsessing about how like, like, we evolved through pain, blah, 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 blah. He stopped to see the scars, and I'm like, and then he's like, "Oh, you've already, you've already evolved." I'm just like, "Oh, that's the movie," and I, I completely missed the whole, the whole point of it. And it wasn't until then that, that where I just leaned back and said, "That was freaking amazing." I agree. I um yeah. I I think that that M Night Shyamalan is known for his twist, but I think this is probably this movie has two twists. It technically has one twist and one reveal, and that is the reveal. The twist is that it's in the um, split universe. But the fact the fact that her this movie is is about victims. And it has tremendous empathy for victims as well as the empathy that victims create through their pain. Um, 
what she goes through allows her to survive the situation to a certain extent. It's also what allows her to humanize with the different elements of this guy. It is also why he is able to empathize with those who have gone through pain and sees those who inflict pain or have not experienced pain as both a problem and a destructive force on the world. It is, it is, she has taken her, her nature of being a victim and used it to empathize and help other people, regardless of the fact that her friends do not make it, um, but also help herself. He has helped himself, but he has instead turned that into something destructive that he wishes to inflict on the earth. So he may see it in her, but she sadly had to go through it for her to be able to, to have it seen through him. But what I love through the movie is it's it's constant. It's not even just in the flashbacks that you see throughout the film. It is constant. Why is she wearing so many layers? Why is she um, distant from people? Why doesn't she have a lot of friends? Why is she? Why does she know right away when her friend is kidnapped that she whispers to her, "Go pee on yourself," so that he'll be grossed out? Like these are all things that you may look at and go, "Yeah, she was probably abused." But you don't realize how that actually affects her decision-making skills within the situation until that moment that where he both realizes it through his mission, but also you realize it as a viewer where you're like, oh my gosh, like she survived it because of what she already has survived. And he empathizes with it because they both have been through abuse in their own way. She uses empathy as a, a, a healing device and as a, a tool to survive. He uses it as a tool to make himself survive in a world he wishes to inflict pain on with it. And it's it's two extremes of a different idea. And I love that. That that adds a lot of depth to a story that you, that's basically just about a guy with multiple personalities kidnapping girls. Yep. To sacrifice to a monster that's inside his own head, yeah, too. Like, the supernatural element is the, that's the comic book stuff. That's the that's the glass. That's the unbreakable stuff. That that to me, if you didn't add the connection to Unbreakable, would just be superfluous. It would just be this thing that it's like the thriller that also happens to have a monster in it. But once you see David in there, once you know that you're seeing a person who has supernatural abilities and there are rules to his universe, there are rules to how he figured them out and how they work, it makes his entire monster beast thing that much more real. It makes it it makes it make sense. It make, it gives it the third dimension that it needs to have weight to it. So it goes from being, oh, this guy just happens to be able to turn into a monster to no. He lives in a world where superheroes and supervillains and superpowers exist, and we've seen proof of that. Now it all makes sense. Yeah. I sat in the theater, and I watched David, and I'm like, not only was I very excited to see Bruce Willis and know that it was a connection, I wasn't just sitting there going, it's connected to Unbreakable. It, it literally opened an entire world of understanding of how um, Kevin's body and his powers work now i'm like oh that's why they're real he lives in a world where this stuff can be real and the only reason it is real is because it's born through him and it, it, it inspired people to tell stories about like comics and characters like him like he lives in a world where this already exists but on a subtle level and i loved that it just made me understand him so much more rather than just be a fun little thing. It, it gave weight and rules to something that didn't have to have them. Yes. Also, I, I'd like to, to point out is that um, 
Literally, Hedwig is my favorite character in that whole movie, by the way. Yeah, Hedwig is great. Hedwig's the best. <laughs> Hedwig. The more and more I watch it, the more I'm actually really impressed by Aaron Taylor-Joy. I think she's great. Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy, yes. Okay. Yeah. Friend of Jordan Taylor. She was very good in Thoroughbreds, too. I never got around to Thoroughbreds, but I will I will soon. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was also incredibly good in The Witch. But, you know. That's yeah. right, she was in The Witch. Oh, God, I love The Witch. Oh. She was, she was like, the main person in The Witch. Yep. Yeah, but, like, I never I never really saw her as, like, an actress in there. I, whenever I watch The Witch, I legitimately think that's a family that has the worst thing happen to them. Like, every time I start that movie, it's the best. Any movie that starts with a witch stealing a baby, killing it, and then using its blood to turn her broom into an actual flying broomstick, I'm for. I'm in. I'm, like, in it. That's a world I'm in, and I'm never leaving. I... I I love that movie and how it starts. She's uh, also in New Mutants, which I'm really excited for. No, oh, she is. Not that ever come. Actually, you know what they were? Do- they- I was just getting free screening um, uh, attendant um, invitations to that, so they are they are giving it test screenings right now. So there's hey. some complete copy going around there right now. Yeah, I mean it's coming out in August, so you know there's a lot of time. Left. By God, it is coming out. What? By God, it is coming out. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, we'll all be uh, like, we'll all have, we'll all be like, eighty. I just want to point out when that movie comes out, Maisie Williams shot that movie when she was like a child, and when it comes out finally, Game of Thrones will be over. Just think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, it's interesting to me that they want to put that out, and I mean, it, but it's like. It's like Dark Phoenix. There's no reason for Dark Phoenix to be put out right now, but they've spent yeah. too much money on both of them that there's no reason. There's no way they're not going to put them out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy, she killed it. Especially towards the end, like, my God. Um, so, what else? Technically, the blocking, the framing, the shot work, I liked. Um... Makes me want to watch more Shyamalan. The good Shyamalan. The good, the good <laughs> this, this Shyamalan. Far between. That's the only problem. Yeah. Well, here, this is actually this is actually an interesting thing. Shyamalan is a very good. I think he's very good at framing, and I think he's good at blocking. Sure, but he actually paired himself with a cinematographer that he has never worked with ever on this movie, and I think one of the best things about this movie is the camera work and how it looks and the choices yeah. that he makes the cinematographer i mean so he he picked somebody he never worked with before who shot some really beautiful movies and every time i watch it i'm amazed more and more at how he uses depth and how he oh, wow. clears some of the just, just, uh, cinematographer one at a time work. what one at a time no cutting off oh continue alex I was just saying, I, I just actually looked at the movies that that okay. cinematographer has done, and I'm very impressed with two of them specifically. Which ones? John dies at the end and it follows. Okay. Oh. Yeah, John dies, I've been meaning to see, there's a reason I've been putting it off for a bit, but then uh, it follows, cinematography is very important in that movie, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm impressed by that too. But it's just like how, just like the shots of like 
when the girl is with her dad in the flashbacks and they're sitting in the tent, just the way that shot looks when they're sitting in the tent and then when they cut to him aiming his gun and it's just a tiny barrel at the bottom of the frame and then it's slowly moving across the woods, just the clarity of those images is great. You don't see that in most of his other films. Um, no. So I really like how this guy is able to take... I like this guy's depth of field. Yeah. Well, th- this guy's got a history with working with, like, thrillers and horror movies and, and movies of the strange variety in general. And so it makes sense that he, uh, you know, he would sit and create a piece that has those kinds of imagery. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see what he does in other genres, but I do think he gets the most out of atmosphere and um, using um, the frame to uh, embed images that you may not notice until the second or third viewing. Yeah. Um, it's just small things, like when the girl wakes up and she sees Hedwig for the first time. She, you, Hedwig's first, uh, um, his entrance in the film is him sitting in the doorway, but the frame is actually sideways, and then it moves to put him in the center of the frame, but the camera is moving as if you're seeing him laying down on your side. And it just, it's a very odd way of introducing this character. Like, he's playful, and he's a kid, and he's somewhat innocent in a way, but it's also, it's a 30-year-old guy pretending to be this kid. And you're like, oh, well, this is uh, this is unsettling. And he puts you in that mindset very quick. Yeah. It's very, very unsettling, but it's, yeah, there's so much to say about how James McAvoy portrays all his characters, and, and Kevin as a whole, and I, I think the, the craziest thing is that this movie is just shot so beautifully for what it, what it, uh, what it's presenting. Yeah, I do, I, I, I am interested in terms of how... Shyamalan was very willing to hand over the visual uh, subtlety and detail to this film to someone who he never worked with, uh, with a story that he's had in his mind for so long that he he turned to somebody that he hadn't worked with before and was like, I I really think that you could probably bring the most out of the uh, detail in these images, Um, especially someone who makes something like uh, the village where color and um, the scares are very important or it's the sixth sense where it's very much about atmosphere and uh, tone yes mm. so yeah the split I think I think what's also like even more crazy is like the you is, you know, the fact that every single one of, you know, McAvoy's characters is distinct. You know, we have Hedwig, we have Patricia, we have, um, we have, uh, the guy, uh, I forgot what the character's name is, but the one who's, like, the kidnapping guy, who's, like, really bad. I forgot. Is that a Barry or Dennis? Oh, yeah. What? Dennis. And then to add in, there's Barry, and then there's the main guy who's like the very the the very flamboyant Kevin guy. Kevin Grimaldo, uh, 
uh, and I, I just every character is very unique, and that's very awesome. And he he portrays both all of them very very uniquely. Uh, so Zach, we or Chris, we were talking about this being either balancing between thriller and horror. Were, were there any moments in this where you were genuinely unsettled or creeped out or scared at all? Okay, there were a few. Um, when she's the the locker bit, that was like okay. okay. There's a jump scare coming, but then it didn't happen. I'm just like, oh okay, or it didn't happen the way it didn't affect me the way it was supposed to. Um, the part where um Hedwig and Casey are in the bed to get that unsettled me. I was like, whoa, dude. Okay, there's a oh, grown when, man when, uh, who thinks he's a nine year old uh, kid, and. <laughs> The whole context. Oh, okay. Uh, that well, that Kendrick creeped me is, out. Casey is a Casey's seventeen, and Kevin is like third is like thirty. I don't. It's, it's I don't unsettling, even. but in a different way. I think like it's still it's pretty unsettling. It's still unsettling. I'm not trying to undercut that it's unsettling. I think like Chris is thinking of the unsettling sense of a seventeen year old laying about nine year olds. Like no, it's unsettling sense. It's a thirty year old. But, Slaying a bow with a seventeen-year-old. So I think it's, I think it's both because Hedwig. I think the great thing about the Beast is that he is proof that Kevin can make these these identities as real as possible. So Hedwig really is genuinely a nine-year-old in the body of a thirty-year-old. So yes, it's just as unsettling that a seventeen-year-old girl is making out with a nine-year-old. But that's also because he's a thirty-year-old, and also, even if you take that thirty-year-old out of the way, out of the story in terms of him kidnapping her and him wanting the power, like Hedwig, the character is taking the light. Hedwig is the one who is genuinely on board with the evil doings in this story. So he, as a nine-year-old, is in fact controlling her and using his power of kidnapping her to make her do what he wants. There's so many layers to make that unsettling. It's great. Yes. Yes. Um. Oh, man. Um, what else? Um. There was the whole part where the beast is, like, like the hallway, and she has the shotgun. And, like, and crawling she's crawling around. Like, that whole thing was just, like, I'm literally leaning back, like, what else? Yeah, I think, I think that works a lot. I think that's pretty uh, intense. Yeah, I basically no the 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 uh, the supper scene. That one, that one, that one really caught me because I'm just like, it's like she's like she's looking at the. He's looking at the um, uh, he's like she he, like um Patricia, um one of the other personalities, has their back turned, and um one of the other one of the other girls, um is like looking at the door, and Casey's looking at her like don't, don't. I'm like oh no, <laughs> is she gonna is she gonna make a break for the door? And I'm like, no, so the girl stands up and picks up her chair. And I was like, that's even worse! Just go for the door! Yeah. Like, 
mean, she gets got. How did, how did you feel about um, the, the scene where we saw the beast, like, eating one of the girls alive? Now, that I didn't see coming. I didn't think it would get that gratuitous. Yeah. Like, the fact that Zach mentioned it last week? No. Like twice? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember, like, the last five minutes, okay? I don't... I don't... <laughs> So, what were we talking about again? Oh, right, Split. I'm kidding. I knew, I know, I know. Yeah, when he's eating her and then drags her away, it's pretty, it's pretty messed up. Yeah, that yeah. actually, like, the part where, like, um, that, got, that one got me, I was like, Ugh. The part where she gets dragged away, I'm like, I got, like, because oh, when I was younger, I, when I was younger, I don't know how I did, but I saw a movie called Quarantine. Oh, hello. Oh. Talk about a horror movie. And that gave me a flashback. I'm like, nope, okay, get out right now. Don't go into the room. And she's inches closer into the room. I'm just no, like, no, no get out. I want to talk about a movie that you probably should not have walked into. Quarantine was one of those. Yeah. So, Quarantine is messed up even by like some horror movie standards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That traumatized me for a little bit. Um, uh, yeah. That other than that, surprising. other than that, no, the whole no, it's a great last image of when of when Jennifer Carpenter gets dragged away. Like, other than that, I thought it was. Um, um I, f- I found the whole movie pretty much unsettling, because honestly, right like, or, or the, uh, quarantine or split. Split, Zach. Split. Okay. 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 I found the whole movie unsettling because, like, the whole time I'm like, "Wait, who is even on the? Who is he even playing right now?" And like, at any moment, I thought like, like he could be like, Dennis walks in. It is like, like Dennis walks in, and then they could change. Like, I'm like, he could change personalities in any second. Like, the movie literally had me. Like, the entire time. Like, I didn't know... That's why I got caught up with um, Kevin. This was just like... Okay. He could literally turn into anybody any second. Who am I... Who is who is he even playing right now? Like... Yeah. Like, like I found the whole movie unsettling. Because anything could happen at that, at that point. Well, and I think that uh, that is something that's so much fun about the movie. Is that you... The movie keeps you in that sense where you, you have to focus on the character he is right now. And so when he starts changing his personalities, it gets really weird and really crazy. And it gets really scary. Yeah. Um. So, um, how did you feel about the girls and their, um, their ability to not... Their refusal to be victims. And all both the two girls in their own very sort of outgoing, we need to break out every opportunity we get sort of a thing. And then the other girl who had her own idea of how to survive the situation. Okay, could you simplify the question a little bit? I'm sorry, like that kind of just uh, how, do you feel, how do you feel about the girl's inability to 
be their desire to not want to be victims. How many how many movies have you seen where the girl gets kidnapped and all she's doing is sort of crying in the corner or something like that? These girls, the moment they're kidnapped, the three of them are like, "We need to get out of here. We need to find a way. Let's all three attack him. Let's do something." And yes, the main girl has been in her own experiences that give her better ideas on how to survive it. But the other two girls are not. They don't want to be victims. They they in fact fight so much that they have to be separated. Um, yeah. That's I. Never, not, I never really thought about that. Um, I guess it's interesting. Don't yawn. I guess it's interesting. Um, like I like. It does flip it. Flip that. Um, that trope on its head of like man that's actually that's actually a weird that's actually weird to think about mm. honestly like yeah they aren't it's nice to see that despite the fact that that the two other girls are wrong in how they want to approach it because they don't know what they're dealing with whereas the other girl has been suffering through these kinds of uh, abuse for so long that she has learned different tricks. She knows when she can't overpower a person, she knows that the best way to probably get out of a situation that's getting worse and worse with that person is to empathize with who they are rather than physically break a chair over their head. Um, Whereas the other girls, despite them being wrong, still very much refuse to be victims. They very much are like I'm gonna I'm gonna break a chair over his head. I'm gonna run away. We're gonna dig through the ceiling. We're all all three of us. Let's attack him. They they all three try to approach the situation in ways that are are very active, and they don't they they aren't just crying in a corner. Even when he continues to remove their clothes and makes them more and more um, vulnerable, they still are both both of them are like we're getting out of this. We need to get out of this. We're gonna get out of this despite them being wrong in their actions because they had no idea they're dealing with a guy who can turn into a creature that can crawl on walls. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I guess that's kind of my... I guess that... It's like... That's just really weird. Like, you would think that... Like... Um, I guess that goes to the movie's point, whereas, like, these, I guess the whole point of the movie is, like, um, pain will make you greater than those who haven't gone through it, and the, and the two girls trying to survive is, like, I don't want to, I don't want to endure this, you know, so they're just struggling, but that's, but that kind of sounds a weird, that kind of, plays like that could that's dangerous that's that's dangerous territory because like but then if but then it oh but then it comes back at the end when he walks away because she's already been through it all um on top of what he's already put her through um that's a really dangerous line now that i think about it because like the strong because like the stronger girls don't want to endure it but they ultimately get eaten, except the, except the, except the girl who already has been through it all. She came out on top because she knew how to endure 
and just survive. Like they were trying. I think the thing is they were trying to escape. They were trying to escape it. Casey was trying to survive it. I guess that's where I think that's where I'm leaning towards. Because I think yes, that's where the movie's uh, I, going towards. I think that's I think that's a good point. But also the, the thing about Casey is her experience with her uncle. Her uncle wasn't um, supernatural. Her uncle wasn't someone who could like turn into a person. He didn't have multiple personalities. He was just somebody who could overpower her. And it got to the point where she knew I can't overpower this person. So if I can't overpower this person. What can I do to get away from these situations in different ways? Can I pee on myself? Can I uh, um, start to uh, work, get into his head, appeal to his better natures? These are the things that she knew that she could achieve because she knew she could not overpower this person based off of how many times she had dealt with it. So the other girls may have had the will to want to escape this person, to feel like they could get, escape this person. But even if he couldn't turn into a beast, he's still a 30-year-old man that will, without a doubt, overpower a 17-year-old girl. It's just without a doubt. Even when they broke a chair over his back, it just, it, they should have kept going. They could, they should have broken a chair over his back and then grabbed the knife and slit his throat. That, that kind of a thing. But they don't. They, they think they can stop him with one action and then flee they think that all three of them can take him, but he's still a 30-year-old man, and he's always 110% going to overpower those girls. It's just going to happen. If, if three of them attack him, if he gets one decent punch to the face of one of those 17-year-old girls, they're down. They are down. And that's yep. what they don't seem to realize. They may feel like they're strong enough that they could get through it, that they have the will to do it, but they don't have the experience, whereas uh, Joy does. Joy has been in experience enough times where she thought like them that she probably could get out of that situation and then couldn't overpower him, so had to appeal to his better natures or pee on herself or do all these other things. And my guess is Shyamalan probably had to study the tactics that abuse victims have gone through. There there has to be... Uh, like the fact that she's wearing extra layers means that when her uncle would try to probably attack her when he was drunk means that he has to go through three or four shirts and two pairs of pants and a bunch of socks and two pairs of underwear to get to her. So she probably wore extra layers, not just to cover her scars, but to make it harder for him to get to her. So the, these are probably things that he researched and fo- and probably like looked into stories of actual abuse victims and the tactics that they had to use to get out of those situations with people that they dealt with every day in their lives. Yeah. Okay. Like that. Now that I think about it, those probably had to be like Heath Ledger Joker level of notes. Like, okay, maybe not that extreme, but like in the I would, ballpark. I would say like uh, Criminal Minds or SVU level type stuff yeah like an svu episode or criminal minds episode they'll bring one of those things like an suv may like lead up to the point where a girl pees on herself and that's how she gets out of the situation and it's because the writer of that week looked up a story and saw that that's how the girl escaped from a situation this movie probably this movie's took a bunch of those and built a character out of it and realized that that a person like that probably has to do things and get out of situations like that in a lot of different ways. But I think since empathy is such a big part of being a victim, that uh, yeah. that was a driving force and a theme in the film and uh, a tactic that she used consistently. That had to have been... A, that This must have been a hard movie to research. That had to have been a hard line of research that he had to do. 
But I mean, just he, having to he stomach all that. He was studying this movie since he made Unbreakable. Yes, but I, I agree that I, the movie, when you look at the characters of, of Joy and Kevin, that yes, I agree. Like that, he had to do. That's ten years of research, at the very least. But I also agree with Chris to make that depth, to have that sort of detail, to create these kind of characters, he probably had to look at some very unseemly, disturbing, sad cases of human nature. Yes. So, yeah, split. <laughs> um, the final one. So, yeah, and also it's uh, tied in with Unbreakable, which is why we're doing this, and uh, Glass comes well, out that, that's, Thursday that's night. The last question ask you actually how do you feel knowing that these two movies are tied together how do you feel knowing that the beast will be going up against david that is an interesting heavyweight bout that i will be uh examining very carefully once i get around to um uh, un- uh glass on uh I've been Sometime thinking this about this myself how do you think that he is going what do you think that glass Mr. Glass sees in Kevin. How do you think he's going to, to a certain extent, manipulate him? What do you think he's going to get him to do? How is he going to appeal to Kevin's nature? I don't know, honestly. I don't know how... I don't either. That's the best thing about it, though. Which all leads back to Endgame! I'm kidding. No, I'm not going back into that. Um, (laughs) Is it just because they're in this mental institution together and they want to escape? Or is there something that Glass thinks that he could get him to do? Is there something that he thinks that he can uh, use out of Glass? Does he think, or, or Ke- that Glass thinks that Kevin is a tool? What what does he think he can get out of Kevin? Oh, no. well, we're all going to find out together next time on Dragon Ball Z. I'm kidding. Um... And his name is John Cena! <laughs> oh my god. That'd be great if like Mr. Glass just goes Super Saiyan for some reason. <laughs> He, like, flies out of his wheelchair and his hair standing up actually makes sense. Sorry. Ugh. Um. So, one last thing. Um. Verify this for me. I've never, I've never, I have not seen, um, Lady in the Water. Do not plan to. Um, I have not seen, I've, I've not seen The Visit. I've not fully seen The Happening. Um, Science came out in 2002. I've seen a little bit of After Earth. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Best Shyamalan movie in 17 years. Um, that's Sixth Sense. I would, oh, so since Signs, which was apparently the last good movie he made. Or close enough to good. I think that his... The last best complete movie was probably Signs, yes. I think The Visit is half of a good movie, and I think The Visit is half of a good movie. I think both of them have elements that make me want to see them again and make me want to come back to them, but there's also element, other elements to them that make them really bad and in a certain certain way not work. Like, I think The Visit's... I think The Visit has great jump scares and moments that are really fun, uh, but I also think that there's annoying moments and annoying technical moments. I think that there's a visual laziness to it um, that don't make it work. Um, and I don't. And I don't think the story is in, 
110% satisfying. But, uh, and then I think um, the village, I, I think the romance really works. I think there's a lot of the performances really work, but then I think there's a couple other ones that don't. And I think the twist and or overall reveal of the movie is very um, pathetic and kind of insulting in a way. A very uh, Again, very lazy. But Signs, I think, is his last greatest movie because like, Sixth Sense is a masterpiece, fully 110% a masterpiece. I think Unbreakable is a perfect example of a great cult movie that takes time to simmer with people. The more times you watch it, the better it gets. But it isn't, like, in your face uh, great. Um, Signs, on the other hand, is a perfect popcorn movie. You, it's like Twister. You you think about that movie and you can peel it apart and it's stupid, but when you're watching it, you're having a great time. I, I remember seeing that movie twice in the theaters and genuinely enjoying it, despite the fact that I knew some things were dumb and I knew some things were really stupid, but I di- it did not disabuse my uh, uh, journey watching it. And even to this day, when certain scenes are on, I'll watch them. And I'll, and I'll just get into it, knowing full well that that doesn't make any sense, or that doesn't work, but I still think that as a ride, as a popcorn movie, it's very, very satisfying. It's like The Good Place. I mean, The Quiet Place, I mean. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, I, I suggest, out of all of his movies, that you watch Signs next. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to see Glass next, so there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, hopefully we can all make it to it, um, by the next yeah. time we meet. Um, so yeah, uh, next up is Glass. But before we go, before we end this, I, I forgot about this during the news segment. I was thinking about this during the show. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is an absolutely perfect movie. Chris, uh, Alex, hold on, Zach. Hold on, Zach. Alex, go out of yeah. your way. Yeah, no, every, first of all, everyone tells me it's great, and I believe them, and also I love the guys who wrote it. The guys who wrote it have written things that I absolutely love, and it, it's on the top of my list of things to see. I just haven't been to the theater. I've actually been to the theater recently with my mom, but she's a big Oscar um adult movie watchers so the two movies i've seen recently in the theater one was a foreign movie and one was another oscar kind of baity movie she wouldn't really be interested in watching spider-man um so i just haven't had a chance to go see it but there's there's not a person that i don't trust who hasn't been like this is an amazing movie you need to see it, it there there are people have been like it's the best spider-man movie that's uh, been made i would agree it with that the golden best animated movie um so yeah i there are people who love it and uh Stand by it firmly, and I believe them. Go out of uh, your way, whatever uh, it takes. Alex, shut your ears because I need to talk to Chris about something. No, he can't shut no. his ears. No. no, 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 don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. No, nope. Here's one thing I no. will say about Spider Man, though I won't spoil anything. Lucasfilm owes Lord and Miller an apology. Yeah. They do. After seeing this movie, they are, they are owed. That's that's how good Spider-Man is. I think. Yeah. Like, they're owed an apology for Solo. I That's... That's what I think. Uh, well, 
Uh, they did, yeah. I mean, they thought it wasn't going to be as quite what it was. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is like a very. How do I describe? I mean, they didn't direct it. They, they didn't they direct produced, it. They, they produced heavily it, were involved. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah, that's why. That's why I knew I would like it uh, in the first place. Uh, was that thing, right, that is, thing, uh, Zach, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, right. let Alex go. Right. I, yeah. That was the, my, my roommate was like, I don't know, I don't want to watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This looks stupid. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I don't want to watch an animated Spider-Man movie. And I looked at him and I'm like, do you like the Lego movie? And he said, yes. I'm like, do you like 21 and 22 Jump Street? He said, yes. I'm like, do you like Last Man on Earth? And he said, yeah, I love that show. And I'm like, then there's no reason you are, are not going to like Into the Spider-Verse. You should absolutely watch it. He's like, why? I'm like, because all of them were made by the same two people. <laughs> like, dun, dun, dun. they proved, like, they proved themselves in this movie. Like, before, like, yeah. before, um, before they made Solo, they didn't have, they didn't, they had, okay, they haven't, pr- they didn't, they couldn't, um, they didn't have a movie that could prove that could take a property, give it a unique look, and a very interesting story, have it play out and yes, make tons did. of money and make any tracks. An and argument can be made for the Lego movie, but that's a lot of different properties meshed into one. They didn't have one single property. No, there have been Lego movies that have existed before. Like, yes, they're for kids, and yes, they've just been sort of pandering, but the Lego, the idea of what Lego movies should look like had already existed they were the ones who actually looked at lego and were like we don't want to make a a, a computer animated movie we actually want to make a lego movie with actual legos okay they were like really they said yes we want to make a stop animation movie out of legos and they said that's going to take more time and cost more money and they were like it's actually going to cost less money but it will take more time than you actually think okay um hold on okay hold on zach let me finish let me finish real quick Okay. Sure. Fine. You can probably count Lego Movie as its own thing. I'm talking like a specific, like a very, like, sure, it was like Lego, okay, but over the course of time, Lego's covered a lot of ground and has a lot of different properties behind it. Like, Spider-Man's a little more focused than the Lego Movie in terms of like, like a like a, a an IP or a property. It's a Spider-Man. Han Solo is Han Solo. Lego Movie is Lego, and it covers a whole different kind of properties, and a whole different kind of properties are in there. What I'm saying is, they didn't have a movie like Spider-Verse behind its belt where they could prove they could take a well-known character, give it a un- give him a unique sp- give it a unique spin, while still remaining faithful to the source material in a way, or to like. The original stuff, and I guess Lucasfilm or Kathleen Kennedy or whoever didn't trust their vision, and like then they said, and then I guess Lord Miller said, "Oh, really, fool? Watch until like watch this, like watch." Okay, we'll we'll no, say no, goodbye. I we'll agree, step off. Bye bye. But we'll make this and prove you wrong. Wise. I, I agree with you content wise that they don't have that they didn't have anything like that, but they did 
have properties, including the 21 Jump Street movies and Last Man on Earth, that proved that they had a very specific voice. And just like Edgar Wright, Disney doesn't want to deal with specific individual voices. They want generic uh, ideas to be displayed through their producer ideas. So they, they hired Lord and Miller for their fun and their comedy. They didn't understand that they actually have individual voices. Because when they had the Spider-Man property, they said, hey, Marvel was like, hey, do you guys want to be involved in this small animated movie? You can just produce it. And they went, you know what? We're actually going to boost it. We're going to make it a theatrical movie. We're going to keep it animated. But we're going to make it look like a stop animation movie. And we're going to give it more detail that way. And they were like, why? And they were like, because we can they 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 don't they had not proved they proved through two things in the movies before or in their properties before they went to Han Solo and that is they were very funny and they could get the best out of comedy because they had already made two shows as well as three very funny movies that's but they also proved that they had a voice and Disney has proven that they don't like individual voices they like generic voices that's the point i was going to make neither 21 jump street or the Lego movie are were what Lucasfilm was looking for. That's n- like stuff like that was not what they were looking for. Like that's 100% the point I was trying to make. Um, but still, point stands. They are owed an apology. Plain and simple. Especially after Spider Verse. Spider Verse was perfect. So, yeah. Um, just thought I'd get that off my chest, because I've been holding that in for a while. <laughs> um, so yeah. Everybody go out of your way. Spider-Verse is great. See it before Hard to Change Dragon 3. Um, because, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. So next time, uh, Glass. Uh, oh god. Um, Glass, yeah. It'll be the culmination of a trilogy um, that is much longer in the making uh, than most. 19 years, to be exact. Um, We're close to that. If you you round up. Anyway. Glass. Um, So, yeah. I gotta work on an outro. (laughs) I just cannot stumble my way through this every time. Okay, so next time we're gonna do Glass. Wait, 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 wait. What's your grading for split? Oh yeah, I'd give it a grade. Um, B plus. Uh, I'm gonna go B plus too. I think that's a good score. I've been nailing it recently. These scores, I've been nailing. You know what? I was about to, I was about to say uh, one of my favorite moments. There's a lot of favorite moments I have in the movie, but I think my favorite one has is when he sees the doctor and he's pretending to be the fashion designer and she ca- and she empathizes empathizes with him enough to bring Dennis out yeah that that was that was pretty I was just that was thinking pretty about sweet. that a second ago and I'm like that is one of my favorite scenes in that movie yeah that was that, 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 that was pretty interesting like I should have caught on at that point um, about the thematic element of the movie anyway so uh, wait 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 Zach. one more thing so we're watching, we're watching Glass next week. What are we doing after Glass? We're going back to X-Men? We should be going back to X-Men, yeah. And In that's First Class, so first we'll get class. more McAvoy? Yes. So more McAvoy for your uh, 
for your. I uh, forgot about that. We're going straight back to McAvoy. It'll be uh, McAvoy and cheese if I uh, catch my draft. Um, I don't. I don't either. Um. So yeah, um, Zach, what did you grade it again? I don't, I don't think you graded it yet. I didn't. You forgot something else. Okay. All right. I guess we're not ending. All right. Never mind. Go ahead. I know. No. What did you grade? I was gonna say something about 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 uh, into the Spider Verse, but you you got. Oh much. yeah, because you're gonna freaking you wanted Alex to like, no no. No, not that, not that. I that's something else I wanted to say. Less spoilery. No spoilers. It had nothing to do with the spoiler. Alex must go into this pure. Say it. Oh, I was going to say the director of it directed one of my favorite animated movies. But that sure. is... Debbie does tell us about Care Bears. The Guardians. <laughs> That was so random. <laughs> That's going to be, I'm going to use that for like um, an album title one day. It's going to be great. <laughs> what was the movie said? Gentlemen, I want to introduce to you your band for the night. Zeppi Dos Dallas and the Care Bears. Zach cut out. Or did he hang up? No, Zach, why? Zach, <laughs> Buddy, no, you're not ending. We're not ending like this. Hello? What happened? Did you cut out? Hey, he's back. He's back. I, I purposefully like disconnected. Cause you're being an a-hole, Chris. What do you mean I'm being an a-hole? I asked you what the movie was, and then you and then Alex I'm cut in. You're like, oh, it's random as fuck. Well, no, cause I cause I made a joke that was random. Okay, what was the movie again? I'm sorry, Zach. What was the movie? Rise of the Guardians. Not bad. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, that, that one on our... That, is that on our wheel? No. No, I wanted it to be on our wheel and you didn't put it there. What did we put in there instead? Well, let's, let's get to Treasure Planet first. Yeah. Yeah, get to Treasure Planet first. <laughs> yeah, so... Rise of the Guardians is really fun, though. It's a really fun movie. Yeah. It, it is. I'll, g- I'll give you that. It's not particularly good in any sense of the word, but it's a very, very fun movie. It's all right. And it's, like, in my opinion, my favorite, like, interpretation of Santa Claus. Okay. Because he's, he's, like, a Russian, like, cutlass-wielding guy. It's I, really funny. I prefer Bill Goldberg. I um, mean, uh, Santa Slay. I mean, uh, you I mean, Alec Baldwin... Hugh Jackman and Jude Law all in the same movie. Ah, Bill Goldberg. I prefer Bill Goldberg as a evil version of Santa where he lost a curling match to an angel thousands of years ago and now he has to be Santa um, against his will because he lost a game of curling thousands of years ago. What movie was that from? Santa's Sleigh. Starring Bill Goldberg. And then one year he just snaps and just goes on a murdering rampage instead of giving coal to bad people. 
<sighs> it's ho- it's like wildly hilarious. If you can find the trailer, if you can find the trailer, please. Please watch it. It's it's insane. Oh, dude! I just realized Emily to Ravens in this. I might actually sit down and watch this. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's such a it's such a it's such a wild experience. I mean, yeah. It's Bill. Oh, yeah, I want to see it. Just sounds stupid as hell. <laughs> it's Bill Goldberg, WCW champion and undefeated. It was undefeated for several for like a year and a half. And he freaking, as Santa, goes again murdering grandpa. Like, he goes into a strip club and just murders everybody in the club, including the strippers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like the WWE make bad movies or anything like Surf's Up 2. That's a classic. <laughs> Had to bring that back up, huh? Um, so, yeah. Um, I know it's after Christmas, but uh, it's never too late to watch Santa go on a murdering rampage. But, uh... Kind of like, um, kind of like, uh, the Beast in, uh, Split. Bringing it back around. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, guys. I'm putting yeah. Santa Slay on the wheel, though. Yay. Um, I've now, I've now just decided that. Alright, so, let's get out of here, guys, shall we? Let's get out of here. Okay. I think we've exhausted all our, unless there's anything else you want to say. The dance scene in Split is really fun. Yes. That is true. <laughs> That's about as well as I can dance. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I just am happy that you guys are, like, excited over the fact that we're going to be watching, going forward, we're going to be watching at least, like, five more weeks of, like, of McAvoy. Wait, hold yeah, on, hold on. We're going to be watching on. a lot of McAvoy. Uh, and then we got two more and then we got two more Wolverine movies right because we haven't gotten to the Wolverine yet first class the Wolverine yeah, two, more, two more Wolverines then the rest are nothing but McAvoy X-Men movies yeah Apocalypse <laughs> yep five more movies <laughs> um, oh no six so one Chris, would you say would you say now that you are genuinely interested and excited to see Glass I'm interested in a... I'm interested in a curious way. I wouldn't say I'm, like, over-the-moon excited for Glass. I'm just... I'm interested. It, I'm hooked. I'm just... In, I'm interested and curious about how Shyamalan but, but, wants to change. put it into Are, this. Not necessarily excited. I think the only way you could be excited is if you had knowledge about Shyamalan's work and Unbreakable beforehand. But would you... Are you invested? Because it isn't just... Uh, the three guy, three guys coming back. Aaron Taylor Joy comes back as well. Anya Taylor Joy. Um, uh, I- see, and you criticize me for forgetting. Um, so I don't criticize one of you, knowing full well that when the opportunity comes, you're just going to hand it right back to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's just how we work. Um, We're I- buddies. Yeah, we're buddies. Um, yeah, I'd say I'm invested. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. Um, I just want to know how they sure. all get into their mental institution, because that's not how it ended. So. Yeah. No, I, I think my guess would be, have you seen the trailer for Glass yet? Yes. 
Uh, my guess is the movie starts with Kevin kidnapping girls because you see those girls, those cheerleaders. I think he's kidnapped girls again. The cops find him. They take him to the mental institution where Glass and David already are, and that's when things get started. Okay. Um, that would be my guess because I don't think he just kidnaps girls in the middle of it again and then there's also a shot where police are around him in the rain so my guess is that we opened the movie with Kevin kidnapping girls again and he gets kidnapped and then he gets sent there and the interesting thing we know that Glass is in a mental institution he's been there since uh, the ending of Split but what happened what, what happened to david why why is he there what happened to his wife and his kid did his family leave him were they killed what happened yeah that's a i thought about this too like with the whole like bomb threat kind of thing at the end of unbreakable and i just realized that movie came out in 2000 a year before 9 11 i'm telling you if that year if that if unbreakable came out after 9 11 that would not have been remembered the same way i, th- I don't think so oh, i agree they Probably would have postponed it. They probably would have put the movie on hold for that reason. Kind of like how Punisher um, was put on hold after, um, not Sandy Hook, but um, it was the Florida shoot. It was the Florida school shooting. So like, yeah, everybody's talking but about that. The fact that we remember it screwed up. Yeah. So uh, didn't don't want to end this on a more on a morbid note. So we're gonna see Glass. Um, it's a movie. It's a movie. Um, Good call. It's a movie that's coming out and that we're going to see. Um, so, yeah. We're going to see it. Hopefully, um, Samuel L. Jackson drops an F-bomb because that's what he's good at. Um, uh, I don't know. I feel like he won't, though. Like, that's he not won't. what he was like when he was playing Elijah the first time. He won't, uh, but it'd be uh, funny, though. He was also tended to be a good guy in that movie. Yeah. That's true. Right. So, there you go. So, we're going to see Glass. That's the next movie. We're just going to talk about Glass and whatever comes up. Uh, so, yeah. See you guys later. Guys, say goodbye. Bye. Bye.